0: Well, I have a number of things to, uh, convey to you this morning. So I'm going to try to, uh, do this in an expedient fashion because I want to get to the word. Um, first of all, uh, we are going to return to normal, whatever that means, uh, uh, pretty soon here, uh. We will not have a midweek gathering this Thursday, uh, but we will be having a Sunday gathering next week at our regular time. So we will start back at 9 and at 10.30. Uh, I want to encourage you. uh, We've been talking about... Already about new beginnings and stuff. I want to encourage you that uh, if you've been coming to this gathering uh, and want an extra opportunity to connect with uh, the community here in the body, we have a uh, a Sunday morning class called the Twelve that meets over in the Fellowship Hall. And during this little break, we've actually done some renovation to the Fellowship Hall, so it is almost complete, and uh, we'll be ready for the class next week uh, over there. But that starts at nine o'clock. Uh, the Twelve, uh, bring your Bible. Uh, and come and be a part of that. Uh, It's a real rich time in the Word, and then you can just come right into the service here at 1030. So we want to encourage you to do that. And then uh, that following Thursday, we are going to start um, a new series uh, called Seeking Jesus, and Pastor Wayne Berry is going to be leading this series, Uh, and you're not going to want to miss it. So uh, that's going to start on January 11th, Thursday night, 6 to 7 p.m. There will be youth and kids ministry available the youth junior high meet from six to seven. Uh, and then the senior high meets after that, seven to seven, eight seven to eight 30. To eight 30. So uh, come and be a part of that. The The kids ministry will be doing junior Bible quiz uh, starting that week as well. So come and be a part of our midweek gatherings, January 11th. That's gonna be a great uh, a great uh, series. Something else I wanna put on your radar that's real important to me, and I really want you all to mark your calendars and be a part of this, okay? Uh, the last three Sundays in January, January, we are going to have vision casting gatherings. Okay. Uh, that will be on January 14th, the 21st and the 28th. What we're going to do is at five o'clock, we're going to have a potluck dinner for everybody in the fellowship hall. Okay. Uh, next week we'll give some more details about that. So we're going to eat together, uh, and fellowship together. Uh, and then we're going to come in here for a gathering from six to seven fifteen PM. And you are going to hear some of the vision that we have for 2024 for Springhouse Church. Uh, in general, you're going to hear from the various ministries. You're going to hear from some of the leadership, and I'm going to share my heart about where we're going uh, for 2024. So I want you to mark your calendars and be a part of this. We're going to worship together. It's going to be a great time. And if you want to be in on the know, if you want to be on the inside track of what we're doing here at Springhouse, I want you to be here. Uh, kids ministry is going to be full in full-blown blown force. Uh, they're going to do a whole service for the kids each of those nights. The youth ministry is going to be doing youth gatherings that those nights, uh, and the preschool hallways going to be open. They're actually going to be doing cool church and all of the things that they typically do on Sunday mornings. They're going to be doing on Sunday evenings with a little bit of a pop too. Sherry was telling me last night some ideas that she has. So it's going to be real great uh, for the kids and for the youth as well. So we want the family, church family, to be here on those evenings uh, in January so we can hear about what the Lord has for us for 2024. Does that sound good? So mark your calendars be here. We're going to eat because we like to eat and then we're going to worship the Lord together. Okay, so those are on those nights. Okay, on your chair this morning, you received a Bible reading plan. Okay. Uh, this is, uh, I want you to consider this more than a suggestion. Okay. Uh, we as a church body, we're going to read through the new Testament this year together. Okay. So this is something that we're going to do together. Uh, and what I love about this particular reading plan guys is there are literal times and moments when just quite frankly, you don't get to it in the day. Is that true? Is that fair? Okay. Uh, and, but this Bible reading plan, if you'll stick to it, it allows you to have two days where you missed it <laughs> in the week. Okay. This is five days, five of the seven days that you commit to reading through the new Testament. And, uh, and we want to walk through this together. Okay. So if you'll take that Bible reading plan with you, we're going to post it in our app and on the website as well. So you have access to it digitally, but this is a great, a great tool to to use you'll be in tandem with everybody. And guys, there's nothing like seeing the Holy Spirit move when we're reading something together and we experience something and we say, hey, that's what I just read together in scripture. The Lord can do some real incredible things with that. So take this, uh, tomorrow's the first. So starting tomorrow, this coming week, uh, we will read through those first um, five passages. So uh, lock into this, commit to this. Let's do this as a body and encourage each other and spur each other on uh, with that. Okay, does that sound good? All right, this year, 2024, where we're going, we're gonna be doing, we're gonna be looking at his word his life, and his church, okay? That's what we're looking at in 2024. I'm excited about the direction the Lord has uh, is gonna be taking us. Now, traditionally, this Sunday would have been Read the Word Sunday. Uh, And if you've been here for any length of time, every year, we just really look to encourage and inspire and uh, and really uh, motivate the congregation to be in the Word. And I hope that happens today. I want you to be in the Word. I think being in the Word is essential for every believer, uh, to be in the Word and growing in the word daily, okay? Uh, but what we're gonna do is we're actually going to expand this, uh, this portion of our series into five weeks. His word, we're gonna be talking about this for the next five weeks. And, and we might. what I want to do, where my heart was, is I wanna uncover maybe some questions that maybe you've considered or maybe questions that you've not considered before. Uh, go ahead and put up that first one. So here's some questions we're gonna be uncovering and looking at over the next uh, five weeks. Why do Christians believe his word holds authority over their lives? and what fruit comes from doing what it says. Next. Why is it important to have a daily active relationship with his word and how does it apply to everyday life? Next. How is his word relevant and useful in our culture and what does it tell us about the future? Okay, next. Why is it important to know his word in your mind and carry it in your heart? So Here's four questions, and then today we're going to be looking at where did the Bible even come from, who wrote it, and why has it stood the test of time? So that's going to be our kickoff for today in His Word. And Pastor Justin's going to be the word, bring the Word this morning. Would you welcome him?
1: Thank you so much, Pastor. If I can go ahead and get the worship team, and come on back out. We'll just close this out today. Kidding, relax. My stuff, I got a lot of stuff today. I bet your Bible don't look like that. Let me get my other Bible out too. Give me just a second. These are not props. This is not like a a magic show or anything. Like this is like, this is what I'm actually using. Like don't think this is just like stuff. And this, look, I'm, look guys. I'm, I'm. I'm growing, I'm working on myself, I'm trying to get better, okay? So like I always have the weirdest water bottle up here. So but I'm not buying the $45 metal one that's trendy right now with the rubber straw. I'm not buying that. And then if I come up here with my my gym shaker cup, I feel like a gym bro, or if I have the little crunchy water bottle, that's bad too. And then I bring this mason jar with <laughs> clear liquid in it, and then somebody's like, oh, okay, bud. (laughs) And depending on how this message goes, you'll know what was in it by the end of the sermon today, (laughs) if it's water or not. It's 2023. Look, all bets are off, okay? I'm going to end this year out. Great. Um, Okay, actual Bible stuff. So have you guys ever wondered, like, how did we get the Bible? Who wrote it? Where did it come from? Or if men wrote it, how can we be sure it's God's word? Any number of questions like this can be legitimately asked when it comes to the Bible. And today, as we begin our series on his word, we're going to look at the history of God's word, its origins, its roots, and why it has stood the test of time. If you could go ahead and put the first slide up, and then I'll do the next ones. Okay, if you would stand with me if you're able, and we're gonna read this passage and then we'll get into the words today. Are we ready? Bless you. Here we go. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two edged sword piercing to the division of soul and of spirit of joints and of marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is alive and active and that it does uh, cut us in order to heal us. Lord God, I pray today as we uh, look at your word that you would, um, Uh, quicken us in our hearts it will become alive to us that we would see your goodness and your mercy and your son Jesus through its pages God we love you and we thank you it's in Christ and we pray amen and amen you guys can be seated so I'm gonna give you a, a little bit of a caveat first before we start um the Bible is commonly referred to as the Word of God, and it's true. However, the Word of God predates the Bible, especially in its current form. John 1, does my thing work? All right, you can do it for me. If you can put the next passage up, John 1. 1 through 3 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. John 1 echoes here the opening line of Genesis that says, In the beginning God created. And this is this is an echo of that. The Greek word logos for the Word conveys the idea of divine self-expression or speech. There's a few things I want you to understand about God's word. God's word is effective. He speaks things into existence. God's word speaks things into existence. Genesis 1-3. Let's look at this. It says, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. Psalm 33-6. It says, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their hosts. If you've heard Pastor Kevin talk about a star-breathing God, this is exactly where he got that from. He spoke stars into existence. You want to talk about some raw power and energy there. Okay? And then Psalm 107.20 He sent out his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Um, I've told you guys about Renewed Life Ministries, which is a one year discipleship program for men with life controlling problems that I was an attendant and resident of, right? This was their founding verse. This is a one year recovery program, and it was founded on the belief that God's word is able to heal men and deliver them from their addictions. It's not going to be your programming. It's not going to be your community. All those are fantastic tools that will help you along the way. But it's God's word that heals us and delivers us from destructive patterns of life. Isaiah 55, 10 through 11 And this is also how he relates to his people, Genesis 15, 1. It says, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. God has chosen his word to communicate with his people. Simply, there is a difference between the Bible and God's word. But since the Bible is how we know that there is a difference, that means the Bible is God's word. Does that make sense? Whatever, moving along just a caveat. I just want you to understand there's a difference between God's word and the Bible, but the Bible is God's word, okay? Moving along. I'm just going to leave that off here, okay? Okay, let me start by saying this is an, this is an ancient book. This is, a, this is a very, very ancient and old book. If its pages and binding were as old as the content that was written therein, I believe we would have a greater reverence and awe for the scriptures. It probably wouldn't collect as much dust on nightstands or be tucked nicely away in hotel drawers. There would be a reverence. Okay, if you had a Pepsi bottle, a plastic Pepsi bottle with hieroglyphics printed on it, or if you had a stone tablet with hieroglyphics carved into it, which one do you think you would treat with more respect? Right? Right? but yet we have a plastic bottle with hieroglyphics printed on it that we throw in the drawer. If, we, if it was in its form that it was originally created in, we would, we would be a lot more hype about the scriptures. Secondly, God is the source of all the information in the Bible, okay? 2 Timothy three sixteen through 17 says, all scripture, all of it, is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction. We don't like that one. And for training in righteousness, that the man or woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I'm not adding things to the scriptures, that, that phrase, that the man of God may complete. It might as well be translated as the person. The person of God, the the God-fearing, God-following person will be equipped for every good work. Does that make sense? All right, is that an upward nod, James? Is that a, okay. The Bible in its current form, this codex here, uh, was written by over 35 people over a period of 1,500 years. It's a long time. Our codex contains 66 books, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. It contains history, poetry, wisdom writings, prophecy, parables, teachings, love songs, worship directives, raising your hands, laws and sacrifices, beauty, sin, death, and eyewitness testimony. There is not a more complete book on this planet. We're a blessed people to have access to the revealed character and will of God in such a complete form. Throughout history, not everyone has had access to this word. And I'm not talking about um, third world countries or I'm not talking about communist regimes. I'm talking about this complete codex. The time in which we are living to have all of these scriptures at this time, we are a very blessed people because we have God's revealed heart and will for our lives and how we are operating in a kingdom here on earth. Amen? So, is this the Bible that Jesus read? No. And you'd be like, well, duh, he's what the New Testament's all about. No, that's not what I'm talking about, okay? I say, actually, nay, the whole Bible is about Jesus. Uh, Do you guys remember Kevin's uh, skit that he had come out? When I say Kevin, anything that's on the church that I remember, I'm like, it's Kevin's. That way you can never get mad at me unless it's like something like this. But do you remember Kevin's skit where he had the kids come out? And they're like, they're like... In Job, he's this. And in, and in Nehemiah, he's that. Look, I don't even remember. That's how bad it was, right? Um, no, I got one look. He was like, um, in Jeremiah, he's the weeping prophet. In Ruth, he's our kinsman redeemed. You guys remember that, right? And they go through the whole Bible. And in Revelation, he's our coming king, Right? That's actually a thing. It's called a scarlet thread. And you can you can weave and see Jesus in every single aspect of the scriptures. That, that scripture we read at the beginning, John 1.1, 1, 1, that's actually about Jesus. Because if you read the passage, John goes on to tell you, I'm talking about Jesus. He, he's preeminent. He predates all of this nonsense. Everything was created by him, for him, and through him. It's a real thing. You can trace Jesus through the entire Bible. But in all seriousness, the Hebrew scriptures that Jesus and the apostles read consisted of a three-part collection called the Tanakh. Can you put that up there, please? Oh, jeez, why did I send this? My, my bad, y'all. Okay? You can see Tanakh, and you can search that on your smartphone later on. Um, but the Tanakh actually um, consists of three parts, the Torah, the T-A, T-O-R-A, it's T-A right there. All you, all you English professors out there. So the Torah, the Nevi'im, and the Kedavim, okay? This is the Torah, the prophets, and the writings. And this was the structure uh, that a lot of scholars believe that the Hebrew Bible was written in. And there's actually a lot of contemporaries of Jesus and Jesus that allude to this order in the scriptures. In Luke chapter 24, verse 44, this is what Jesus says. If you can put that up for me. Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the Torah, the prophets, and the Psalms, or the writings, must be fulfilled. So Jesus' explanation gives a layout of this pattern according to the Hebrew Bible. And he takes it a step further in Luke chapter 11, verse 51. This is part of a bigger phrase that Jesus is saying. I'm not cherry picking, I'm just getting to the point here, okay? It says, from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah who perished between the altar and the sanctuary, yes, I tell you, it will be required of this generation. So why would Jesus say from Abel to Zechariah? Well, Zechariah is actually um, the last prophet that's mentioned being martyred in the book of Chronicles. Well, according to our codex, Chronicles is smack dab in the middle, okay? But in the Hebrew Bible, Abel is in the beginning in Genesis, and Zechariah is at the end in Chronicles. And Jesus is saying, from this one in the beginning to this one in the end, this blood shall be required of you. So Jesus is alluding to this format in the scriptures. This is important, okay? In the Tanakh, Chronicles is the last book. He's referring to all of the martyrs. It doesn't make sense for us because Chronicles is in the middle of the Bible. Now, I know you're probably wondering, well, how did it get split up in our Bible and why? That's a legit question. And you're not gonna like the answer. (laughs) I have no idea. (laughs) I have no idea. I have no idea, right? And you know why? Because there's no unanimous decision. The Bible doesn't tell you this is the order that it needs to be in, right? (laughs) Right? It's most likely, there's a couple of, like, theories. Like, it could be, um, that over time they drifted from, like, Jewish tradition. The more that the New Testament church, um, advanced away, um, from its Jewish roots, that's one possibility. Um, uh, another uh, possibility is that somebody just got a wild hair and was like, We're changing this up. I don't like the order. Do y'all want to do that too? And I was like, Sure, whatever. I don't know. So, any number of these theories could be legitimate. Um, speaking of reading and how Jesus would have read, have you ever heard of the triennial reading tradition? Of course you've never heard of the triennial reading tradition. That was a trick question, Jeremy. This is great. Of course you haven't. This is fantastic, okay? You're gonna love this, okay? Because remember, remember the, the Tanakh. I know that tiny PDF that I had up there was only up there for 13 seconds, but just remember the order. Torah, right, then the prophets, then the writings, okay? This is the triennial reading tradition, and this is very cool. Every Sabbath for thousands of years synagogues in Israel and surrounding areas would focus their readings on the Torah and the prophets. You can actually see this in Acts 13, 15, when they go to the council, they first read the Torah and then they do a reading out of the prophets. And so here's what they would do. They spread out their Bible plan over three and a half years. Pastor Kevin has thought that we'll just do the New Testament in one year. Well, they did the Torah in three and a half. So I guess we're just gonna rush through ours, right? There's no need to follow, you know, ancient biblical traditions. Why would we ever do that? You know, I'm kidding. God bless. Like this guy's hardcore. If you're a first time visitor, look, I am not the lead pastor. He will be back up. And Jane, this is how we close out the new year, right? Like, you know, like when the game's almost over and you just put, you just shovel guys out there. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? And this third string guys are like, it's my time. It's my time. I'm getting this. This is kind of what that's like. It's bowl season, so they're sending out the guys that don't get a lot of playing time. I'm, this is this, okay? <laughs> it's what they call garbage time, right? <laughs> hey, man. Did it, bud. Get out there. Good way to close it out, man. We're already ahead this year. Y'all saw the giving statement. Like, we're good. Like, we're in the black. Like, let's send Justin out there, right? So. <laughs> Moving along, right? (laughs) Okay, so check this out. So they didn't, in, in this triennial reading tradition, in these synagogues, they didn't have a single leader, um, that preached every week, kind of like us, right? We don't have, like Pastor Kevin is, has heard from the Lord that there is anointed teaching in this house and he gives a platform for that. Some of you guys connect with different pastors and it's all the same word that goes forth, which is God's word, and it somehow weaves together, okay? But that's actually biblical because they would have different speakers that would come up and read. Each week, um, instead of a single pastor, an adult Member would be invited to read the sections of scripture in the Torah, and then they would pick a prophetic passage that corresponds with the Torah reading. So imagine this they would bring them the scroll, and they had a Bible plan that they were reading, okay? And every week they would read a different passage out of the Torah over three and a half years as they worked through it. Are you following me? Okay, so they, they don't, I don't know what week they would have been on, but they would have all been on the same week then the person that's the volunteer would read the passage, then they would pick a prophecy or a prophetic passage that would correspond or elaborate with the passage out of the Torah. Are you tracking? Okay, so this is what we give you, then you pick one and, it, and they should go along with one another, okay? This prophetic passage reading was called the haftarah, meaning completion. It gave you a complete picture of God's word. God, the Torah and the prophecy were all weaving and worked together. Now, in Luke chapter four, verse 16 through 30, Jesus is in the temple and he gets selected to read these passages. Now, Luke doesn't record the passage in the Torah, but we know according to their tradition, he most likely would have read a Torah passage and then read this Prophetic passage. So Jesus, of all all the people they could have picked this day, right, they picked Jesus Christ to stand up and read the scroll. Okay? (laughs) He's, look. So Jesus gets the scroll, and then he reads this passage out of Isaiah 61. Put this up there. What are the odds of this? (laughs) Right? Scroll. Unroll the scroll. I don't know which way they would have read it, but... The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. And and then in the ultimate mic drop moment, he rolls his scroll up. This is what it says in the Bible. He rolls it up, hands it back to them. Is like, today, this scripture is fulfilled in here. And they lose their mind. <laughs> what are, they lost, the, they tried to run him out. Look, depending what's in this, look. They lost their mind, but how beautiful is this that they had already had a Bible plan laid out long before he got there. Then the day he goes in the temple, he just so happens to get selected to read, and then he reads a passage that corresponds with the Torah, and the passage that corresponds with his Torah reading is a prophecy that he fulfills in the synagogue. Is it not? Am I the only one hype about this? Like... I'm not asking you to be over the top like me. And my wife's like, okay, well, how does this apply to my life? I'm like, no, babe, you gotta understand. This is wild stuff, right? This stuff don't just happen. This stuff doesn't just happen. And they flip out and they try to run him out of the church. And he's like, it's too late. This prophecy is fulfilled right here in your hearing. It's too late. It's prophecy fulfilled. It's done. It's over with. Moving along. So that was, I want you to understand, the Bible that we read was not the original scriptures or uh, the layout that the early apostles or Jesus or the early Jews would have even read. This is something completely different. This is a more complete version than what they had. We are a blessed people. So where did our Bible come from? Where did our Bible come from? The term canon is used to describe the books that are divinely inspired and therefore belong in the Bible. The problem or difficulty is that the Bible does not give us a list of what books are supposed to be in the Bible. Wouldn't that be nice if the Bible's like, hey, here's the order, lay it out like this. Unfortunately, that's not the case. We don't have that. But ultimately, I believe that if God can inspire the words of the books and scrolls that were to be written, I have to believe that he can inspire the ones that were in charge to put it together of what to put in there. I highly doubt this nefarious plot from the enemy to hide books from you and put books in. the These councils acknowledge the Apocrypha and a lot of these other ancient texts, but I believe that a holy God that is sovereign enough to speak things to existence and give man his word, is sovereign enough to know what books we need to put in there. That's what I believe. That's what I believe. So what they did was the early churches came together in these councils. We're talking about uh, post-Christ, post-resurrection, early church, two, three, four hundred year AD range. The Council of Laodicea in AD 364 featured about 30 people. These were members from local churches in the Middle East. And they produced 60 rulings, okay? And these rulings or canons covered various church-related topics. So it would be like, um, what books are we going to read? What letters are we going to allow read in churches? Or or different uh, things that they're going to do in there. The 59th ruling of these 60 declared that only the canonical, is that the right way to say that? Only the books that were canonized would be read in churches, okay? Only the books that were canonized would be read in churches. That was number 59. Number 60 specified that the books that were gonna read were the traditional 26 books of the New Testament and the 39 books of the Old Testament. For some reason, they read Revelation, I mean, but put it completely out of there. They was like, we're not putting that in there. Have you read Revelation? You will this year. <laughs> and I'll be back next year at the end of the year. And We'll talk about the end times. Okay, guys. It's gonna be, I'm going to have slides. We have pictures of angels. It's going to be wild. Something to look forward to. Something to we're building. We're building here, right? So they they specified as traditional 26 books of the New Testament minus Revelation and 39 of the Old Testament. They also treated the Apocrypha. There are 14 books that are are, uh, uh, referred to as the Apocrypha that are not unbiblical. They're extra biblical. Does that make sense? They're not unbiblical, they're extra biblical. And they determined that these books were useful and even sacred, but not inspired. And ultimately they were a separate category from the traditional canon, okay? The early church at these councils didn't say, hey, these, we should do away with these books. They said, no, 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 these aren't the books that are supposed to be in here. The Old Testament books and writings were pretty much a no brainer. I mean, pretty much, right, that was passed down from their, their Jewish heritage, these 39 books of the Old Testament. Even if the order was a little bit wonky, if you remember that brief moment that I had the slide up, um, the prophets and the writings, they, they group together um, separately. So basically, we've expounded that. So instead of Kings, it's 1st and 2nd Kings. Instead of Samuel, first, it's 1st. So we got extra books by separating it. Does that make sense? Okay. The New Testament books required a lot more debate. When they came together for these councils, they had a lot more debate over these books. Specifically, specifically, the books that were in question were Hebrews, James, Second, second Peter, Second and Third John. And I completely agree. Have you ever read the Book of James? You will this year. (laughs) Matter of fact, we'll get a jump start on that. Look at this, James 1. Look, this is all in the first chapter. This will ruin your life. I stopped reading James. I'm not reading it again until we get there. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. All right, page one, right at the top. Look, verse two. Hey, guys, welcome to James. Listen, stop tripping. It's a blessing that you're in. Going through trials. Look, next one, look. What's the next one? Verse 120. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Go ahead to the next one, 26. What does this say? If anyone thinks he's religious and does <laughs> I'm not reading that. <laughs> this is why they was like, We cannot put this book in here. <laughs> We're gonna be held to this standard if we do this. Right? If anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue, he deceives his heart and this person's religion is worthless. This is the first chapter of the first five chapters in this book. Five. That's actually not why they didn't want to include it, okay? This is just me carrying on because we'd rather, we don't want to read Romans. We'd rather sit down in Psalms and sing happy thoughts to ourselves instead of allowing the word of God to cut and pierce and penetrate and divide soul and, and, and spirit and say, look, you're living your life like this, but this is the way you need to be living. No, we'd rather be comforted in these cush passages. The Lord is for me. Good Lord is my fortress. Yeah, he is all that, but he's also the one that says, shape it up, son. Get up, we got a wedding to go to. How do I know that? That's what the word says. So stop wrestling around in your wedding clothes, making a mess. You ever been somewhere nice with your kid? Who got kids, right? You ever get dressed up to go somewhere nice, and you look, and they're wrestling in the front yard like, what are you doing? Like, we not even got to church yet, and you got grass stains on your pants, all right, we're gonna take pictures and your hair's all messed up and your collar's doing this, right? That's us. God's like, get up out of the dirt. Rolling around. How do I know I'm rolling in the dirt? Look, <laughs> <laughs> you laugh. That's how I know. Oh, that's me. That's me. That's you. Oh, gosh. And then he goes back to that verse in Hebrews. The word of God is alive. It is alive. It is a Rama word. That means this word is active. It is living. It is God-breathed, okay? God spoke this word into existence, but this word has power to it. It's alive and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Sometimes, if you, you ever cut yourself and it was so sharp you didn't even know you were cut until you looked down and you're bleeding? Sometimes I'll read the Bible and don't even know I'm messed up until about noon when something happened. I was like, oh, I'm doing it. No. Right? Gave my kid a warning last night. I said, listen, we go to cool church. Don't you be asking nobody for nothing. You ain't getting no Bible bucks. You ain't taking no Bible bucks. Matter of fact, don't even say the word Bible bucks. If you think about Bible bucks, I'll know when you're going to owe me Bible bucks. Right? Gave him this whole speech, this whole warning, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Right? But he'd been, he's been doing things to get Bible bucks, And I'm like, I, I see what you're doing. So then we had a little episode at dinner, right? And he had this whole plan devised in his head. I'm going to ask dad if I can get some gum after dinner. And then I know what kind of person my brother is. He's a kind person and he really has the gum that I want. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask dad if we can get gum. And then I'm going to ask brother if I can get some of his gum. And then I get to keep my gum, get the gum I want, and we all win. And I got gum. <laughs> of course, you know, dad ain't stupid, right? I see what you're doing. This is church training for Bible Bucks. Follow me where I'm going, right? I was able to show him, based on the conversation we had just had, that this type of mentality and thinking is how this right here happens. I was able to speak the word ahead of time so that when he got in the situation, he would hopefully remember the word that had been told to him and avoid those manipulative motives and ways of living and acting. That is what the word of God does in our life. Why? Because it's alive. It is an active word, and God knows what we need before we need it. And sometimes you'll have Bible verses. That's why I tell my kids, just put something in the bucket. Put some water in the bucket, right? Why do I got to read these Old Testament passages? I don't even understand half these things. Put it in there, and the Holy Spirit will get it out when you need it. But if you run around with an empty bucket because you only like reading Psalms, that ain't what you need when it all goes down. Or as Pastor Kevin likes to say, when it gets real crappy, okay? Right? Right? When it gets crappy, you might not need a song. You might need a, hey, shut your mouth, son, because you're going to make yourself, it's going to make it worse. Anybody married? <laughs> Is anybody a child in here? Where was I at? <laughs> Moving along. <clears throat> so they didn't want to put James in there. I said all that to say this. They didn't want to put James in there, and I get it. But the council, they followed something similar to this in their guidelines. These were something, something along these lines were their guidelines on what books do we put in here, okay? Was the author an apostle of Jesus or had a close connection to one of the apostles? Is the book being accepted Or bear witness with the body at large? Are there large groups of the body that are receiving these letters and they're going, man, I don't know, this don't sound right. Or are these letters that are actually being accepted by the body? Number three, does it contain consistency of doctrine and orthodoxy teaching? And number four, did the book bear evidence of high moral and spiritual values that reflect the work of the Holy Spirit? Does it bear evidence of high moral spiritual values that reflect the work of the Holy Spirit? Again, God is the one who inspired and determined what belongs in the Holy Scriptures. And you'll be happy to know that the Council of Hippo in AD 393 and the Council of Carthage in AD 397 added the book of Revelation... And affirmed all of these books as authoritative, just in case you were wondering how we ended up with Revelation. They had a couple more councils later on on and said, all 26 we affirm, but we also affirm Revelation. So now we have what I refer to as the codex. This is our codex for living. We have all 39 books of the Old Testament. Regardless of the order, the content is the same and we have them. And then we have 27 letters and books of the New Testament that complete this holy word of God, our codex, our holy Bible. But what is the purpose? What is the purpose of the Bible? Although there's many reasons some that are known and revealed to us in the word, and some of these are a mystery, but there's two main reasons I want to focus on. There's two main reasons as we close out this message and we begin our journey through 2024, I want these two reasons to stick with you of why I think that are the most important reasons that God has given us the Bible. Number one, that we might have hope. God has given us the word that we might have hope. Romans 15, four says, for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. That's biblical, that the God said, I have given you these scriptures so that you will be a people that has hope hope and not hope in this world, but hope in what's to come that one day he's going to make it all right. Paul writes in, I believe it's in Romans or no, it's in Corinthians. He says, if my hope is in this world alone, I am of all men most miserable. If my hope is just here, I'm the most miserable person on the planet. The word of God acts like God himself. It reveals his nature and love for us. It lays out his plan for redemption and it carries us through this world. The revelation of this love and hope is through the second purpose, which I believe the second and most important reason why we have the Bible is to introduce us to Jesus Christ. It's all about him. This word introduces us to Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 1. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world He is the radiance of the glory of God in the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the same name he has inherited more excellent than theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I have begotten you. Or again, I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. The word of God has stood the test of time because it's outside of it. It's outside of time. It's not bound by it. God's word is eternal. According to Psalm 119.89 and Isaiah 40, chapter, uh, chapter 40, verse 8 and Matthew 24, 35, his eternal word is outside of space and time because he is outside of space and time. His eternal word has revealed to us his son, Jesus Christ. He's our high priest who intercedes on our behalf the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. This redemption story is cover to cover, beginning to end, front to back. This is our redemption story. That means I'm included in this. I'm included in this ancient book. Why? Because I know that God sent his son for me, therefore I'm included in his pages. What other book has the ability to do that? I know some of us are avid, vigorous readers, and we have the, the ability to be captured by a story or drawn in, but that story's not about us. That story's about someone else or some other life. This one is not about us and is all about us at the exact same time, and I don't even know how that happens. I don't know. See, it's got nothing to do with me and everything to do with me at the exact same time. Blows my mind that God, but it's it's so like him to say, look, I want you to know who I am. I want you to know what I'm like. Although this story is about David and Nathan, I want you to see yourself in his pages because I want you to see how, how I love you and I don't want you to be hiding and doing things that are wrong. But you learn this lesson, son. Yeah, He has the ability to do that. He has the ability to do that. Why, what what good, what good dad would I be if I don't try to teach the kid the lesson about stinking Bible—they're not stinking—about Bible books and chewing gum and just let him keep doing destructive and selfish things? What kind of dad would do that? So what kind of father would want, not want the kid to know, hey, this is what kind of person I am. This, this is how much I love you. This is how much I've loved people throughout history. There are some things you, ain't, you don't have the brain capacity to understand. And so I'm not even going to bother telling you. Maybe I'll make it known one day. Maybe he won't. But for now, he has revealed himself to his word. I'm too lazy and and squawk at a five-by-five-by-five New Year reading plan. God's given me His eternal Word. It took 1,500 years to write and put together. And I can't give 15, 20 minutes on a Monday. What's wrong with me, Justin? You are that man. Look. I'm not saying you. Whoever I pointed it over here, I'm not talking about you. (laughs) This is what I want you to understand. Okay. God's Word is eternal, and I believe the two main reasons that we have this Word is to give us hope and to reveal Jesus Christ, His Son, who is the one that gives us hope. So we're going to worship this God together. If you need to to pray, some people are going to come down here and pray with you. If you have anything that's heavy on your heart, if you're going through a season, if you're looking for more hope in 2024... I'm going to have my elders and leaders and pastors and teachers and anyone that's been anointed and appointed to come down here and pray and lay hands. And guess what? You know, the Bible says if any of you are hurting or afflicted or sick and need healing, you should come down and have elders lay hands on you and the prayer of faith will make you whole. Didn't say you might not still hurt. You might not feel instantly better, but it says it'll make you whole. Why? Because you're placing your trust in a holy God that knows better than you and has the ability to do what you ask of him. So if you need to pray for any reason, I want to ask you to come down. But as we worship together, let us thank God for his word because he has revealed his son, Jesus Christ, to us through these pages. Let's worship and pray.